Solution for Workers is a program dedicated to exposing exploitation and helping workers who are mistreated, abused, underpaid and facing injustice in their workplace. Presented by Utu for Workers Union, we're your hosts. Matt McCartan and Izzy Kane. Kia ora, welcome to Utu for Workers Hour, an hour dedicated to sharing real workers' stories and winning justice. We're your hosts, Izzy Kane and Matt McCartan, and we have a slightly different show lined up for you today, don't we, Matt? We do indeed. So we're getting, we get lots of calls from people saying, all these problems you've got and is doing great work, but do you actually win any of them? And I think, and so Izzy and I, we had a talk about it, said, you know, that's a good point. And so we want to actually talk about some of the problems which have come to us, but we focus on getting outcomes and solutions and justice for people. Yes, exactly. So we've been talking a lot about current cases, uh, conducting interviews with case advocates so far, shed light on the endemic exploitation taking place in New Zealand. Um, but before we get into that, do you have any case updates for us, Matt? Thanks, Izzy. Yeah, uh, there's, t- there's two uh, cases which will be, I think, big cases and will affect a lot of people. So I want to just um, update people on that. And you go to our website, of course, and get the full updates there. But just, just to briefly come up to it, one is a restaurant chain in Wellington. Uh, we are making allegations of, um, of, 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 of exploitation and bullying and threats. So the we filed what they call a personal grievance. That's the legal claim. We filed that uh, this week, and that now is in the process. So we've laid out the case uh, of this worker. We know that other, others will come forward. So that's been done because it's important we actually follow through with the legal sense. The other one, which is a, a nationwide chain uh, brand down in Christchurch, which we talked about last week, that's got very more and more serious. That you and I read out a lot of the comments. I am now getting contacted by current staff there as well, not oh, just wow. past staff. So that's turning into a big thing. And they're sending me texts and notices. For example, that company uh, has put out a, a all points bulletin to all its current staff that they are to attend mandatory training for safety. So they're obviously have been listening to the radio show. Yeah, we um, mentioned that um, in article, didn't we? <laughs> we did indeed. So they um, are taking uh, precautions. Uh, I think it's a loose word, I'd say. And they have told all staff to come to training and they must, but, of course, consistent with what we were saying about their bullying and their treatment of staff, is the staff are to do this all in their own time. And if they don't turn up for for, for it, that they will be subject to disciplinary action which could result, result in their dismissal. So it's just just exhausting is that the whole claim was this is a bullying and the way they treat staff so they're going to fix it by having compulsory training on safety and if you don't turn up well you could get the sack but what has happened is is that the the current staff have been listening to uh, our stories but also they have looked on our website and seen the story and now they've set it up uh, they're talking amongst each other and get sending information to us. So what we're hoping as we tell these stories is that people make those connections saying, you know, we should do something about it. And so if any people do find themselves in a situation of bullying, uh, that, that they can just give us a call on 0800 368 000 or through our website, of course, is www.utu.org.nz, utu.org.nz. And you can also get in touch with us through our Facebook page, Utu for Workers Union. Uh, so thanks for those updates, Matt. As mentioned at the start of the show, today we're going to talk about some of the successful outcomes we've had since starting the Utu for Workers Union. It's important for our listeners and workers, of course, to hear that we do get real results and real justice and that we never let a case go until we do. Uh, so, Matt, what stories do you have for us today? 
Well, the first case, as I want to start up, well, I've tried. To, I've, I want to report on three cases, okay. and they all um, touch on different types of cases, which people who are listening will know these types of story and know people who have been involved in them and why we want to talk about them so that people go, gee, that happened to me or someone I knew and so um, you can get help. So, yes, and these are cases we had successful outcomes for. Yes, and so, um, you know, we, 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 we don't let things go, right? Once we've got it, we are like a dog with a bone. We are never giving up. I will never give up. I don't care how long or what we need to do in lawful means, we will keep going. I intend to get justice for any worker anyone who is uh, tr- treated unjustly. Right? That, that's our mission. Okay, well, Matt, the first case you want to talk about is something to a paying premium for a job. So can you explain the background for that one? Okay. This, I think, is quite common. That's what worries. And if people know anything about these sorts of stories, they should contact us. This was a young woman was offered a job, a legitimate job, which would require, she was in Auckland, to move to Wellington and it was a job which would fit the requirement to meet the residency pathway. So she paid it as a a, a finder's fee. She moved to Wellington. Then the job, which cost her, you know, she rent, she let her house out. She owned a home in Auckland. She uh, rented that out, moved to Wellington, got a flat, et cetera, et cetera. And then she turned up for the job. It wasn't the job that she thought it was, and it was a low-level sales job. So she was left... Uh, stranded, there was no money. What she was required to do, more than she paid the $25,000, she then had to pay her own salary. And this is how it worked $1,000 a week, she would post overseas. Um. It was money laundered. Ah. Then it would come back. So she would pay this money into someone's account. And it was an offshore account, and then that money would then come to the employer, who would then pay her lesser tax. So she's getting like a thousand bucks a week less tax. So she's getting about eight hundred bucks. So she essentially was um, uh, paying herself and then paying taxes. So the employer could say, "Well, it's a legitimate job." Delving down into it, it was she wasn't the only one. She went down to Wellington, and there was eight of them there. All some of them had paid fifty thousand dollars for these technical jobs, which were supposed to meet the criteria. None of them were meeting; they, they, they were just commission sales jobs of things that don't exist. So she quit immediately once she realised what was going on. Right? She'd done it first two weeks. She said, "Look, I, this, this is not the job." So that's said, a that's a racket. Yeah, but they said, oh, look, 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 we'll get you another job. You know, look, look, it's all terrible misunderstanding. So she did that for a few weeks, but she was still required to pay a 1000 bucks a week. And they're all doing it. They're all doing it. Um, and they're all very, very unhappy. But what happened is once they trapped it in and out, they caught. So what she did is she was strong enough to quit the job and come back to Auckland and, and came and saw us. And we looked at these characters that are doing this. They had offices in Queen Street and they were clear, clearly doing this on a mass scale. And these jobs, they never existed. They, these were sham com- companies they had around the country. The, we got hold of the police intelligence unit on the condition they didn't punish the victims. Yes. Right? So that's very clear to me. I said, I'm not playing ball unless I have that guarantee. So we guaranteed that and they worked on and they worked out as what these guys were doing. We also worked with the labour inspectors and immigration again 
on condition the workers don't get touched, right, because they're victims, and, and that's a bottom line for me. So we got that. So once the uh, crooks realised what, what, what was up, they went and got themselves the lawyer of the year, which was humorous because I said, are you the lawyer of the year? Yes, I am. I said, are you any good? He goes, oh, I'm really good. I said, thank goodness I've got someone who actually actually knows. And they knew what the record was, so they had an interest in fixing it. So so we got, uh, we got the worker twice as much as what they had to pay, plus reimbursement for their wages, plus... Just for good me- 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 measure, I said, I want another five five grand. I said, what's that for? Airfares to Wellington and the rent down down in Wellington. They go, and I said, we paid you twice. I go, yeah, I'm thinking about all the ones you robbed and got away, away with it. So I said, these people are going to go to bloody jail. You know, if I had my way, I'd rather went to jail. So that's the choice you got. So the lawyer, oh, there, that he got it. And he go, okay, okay, we'll pay. But... We did follow, follow through the complaint with the late, the late lay inspectors. Fortunately, we went nowhere, but we got justice for, for this worker. So I just want to make a play, Izzy. Look, I know people get scared and they get frightened. They think, oh, if I do this, because they kind of know they've done wrong too, right? They feel like complicit. Yes, yeah. And so what I want to tell people about that, our first thing is we protect people. That's the main thing. First of all, protect and then get them justice. So I, I just, yeah, so I want to encourage people. We're still in touch with this, with this young worker. Um, she, they'd asked her for $100,000. So I, I haven't mentioned that. They asked for 100000 She went and took a loan. And I said, well, how did you get $100,000? She goes, I took a loan. Oh. And I said, this is, and do people pay 100000 bucks? She goes, the going rate is 50 but you've got to pay your own sal- sal- salary. So that um, you pay fifty thousand bucks a job, and these are students and young people, and they're borrowing m- money to pay these. Well, they're just gangsters. And if um, it's a going rate, then it's an endemic problem. It's yeah. Well, well, for, well, fortunately for me, I got a I, I got a photo of the two villains, and um, and the lawyer of the year he fully understood it at that point of where I was going with this. So they had an interest in paying out. Now the only reason, look, I just wanted to put them against the wall and put them in jail. But in the end, our job, well, what I think our mission is to get justice for the workers who who come forward, and you know that's our main thing. Well, that's my main thing. Well, right, so the question: What what can workers do when they're in this position? Well, they should contact us mm. first. Uh, look. Everyone knows these things are wrong and they kind of suspect this is going on, right? But no one kind of knows the detail. What we're doing is got to build trust with people, right? And the first thing is we will keep you safe. That's number one. And if you've done things, you might sort of think, well, look, it's about power. If people are desperate, they want to build a new life for them and the family or their partners, then, of course, they're going to be put in positions which compromise them. You're not to blame. This is people with power are using your need and they exploit you. And that's what we're about. I'm going to stop it or we're going to stop it. Absolutely. Uh, well, the second case we wanted to talk about, Matt, uh, was a, about a chain of bottle stores across central North Island involving a rogue employment advocate, hundreds of thousands of dollars owing and trap workers. Indeed it was. And, yeah. That's right. This is a case, Izzy, this is one of the cases which I fell into by accident, really, and it's moved me so much, I thought, you know, we have to do something about this. So that's partly why we've set this project up we're doing now. So this happened uh, about three years ago now. Now, we solved it and got and got justice for these workers as much as you ever do, but that kind of motivated me. I, we need to do more of this. So this is where it's led me to what we're, the work, work we're doing now. So this was a... Um, 
it was like most New Zealanders and even people who, who, who know about this would be uh, uh, shocked by, I was shocked, still am actually. This was eight workers who worked for this one company over a number of bottle stores in the central nor- North Island. They were all lived in the same house, which is owned by the employer in a small town. And every morning the uh, manager would turn up in, a, in his van, pick them all up, early in the morning and drive them around the central North, North Island from Coromandel down to Raglan, sort of over to um, somewhere in the Bay, Bay Plenty, I forget now, and drop them all off in the beginning of the day to go and open up the bottle stores and then drive around at night and pick them up. So that then meant that they were working. It was very clear the hours they were working because they weren't getting picked mm, up until late at night. That sounds like slavery to me. Too contentious to say because I think that sounds like safe. I am breathing, trying to be. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh And um, and, but worse. Well, not worse than that. But um, so they were working. It was clear they were working ten hours a day because they were single people in the stores all day by by themselves. Therefore, they their places had to be open the whole time. They couldn't leave, so they couldn't go. No breaks, no nothing. Right. So that was it. It was clear as clear as clear. Of course, you know the exploits boy didn't write at all and just got lawyers and pretending. You know. um, but it was, and but what what we've become more sophisticated now because we got trackers of people's cell phones. It would have made it a lot easier because you know yes. who knows when they're there. But anyway, in the end, it, it was proven. What was the most disturbing thing about this was that when after three year, year years of this, they just had enough and they quit the job. Basically, they went and got themselves what they call an employment ad. I suppose in one sense that we are too. But a lot of these sort of cowboys really you know, work from home. So I just say that anyone who's listening to this and ever get into trouble and go to an employment advocate, because a lot of people can't afford a lawyer, right? If a lawyer's charging you less than 300 bucks an hour, they're probably no, no, no good, to be honest. So what, what these advocates do, they've got no formal tra- training and they work from home or you know, from, from the back of their car. And he then said to them, look, oh, this is outrageous. You can get $400,000. So they got them to sign up on that basis. They all had to pay 2000 bucks. They didn't have it, but anyway, they borrowed it from others and they got their money. So he got their money. Then he went and, did, uh, went and met with the boss and agreed with the boss to pay the workers 10000 bucks each, which wasn't, for half of them, wasn't even, it was less than their holiday pay. No. Now, on top of that, on. they had to pay him another two grand. So that means they would have got six grand back um, and paid him four grand each. Right? So he would have walked away with 30 When he claimed he could get 400000 And that's the lie, right? And I've come across a lot of these um, cowboys who tell the worker some fantastic num- numbers and the workers think, oh, well, it must be true, and they're so excited they're going to get real justice. Just not true. Then they go and see the boss behind their back and then go and do some sweet deal and then come back, oh, I can't get that, you know, well, you didn't tell us the full truth and they make up stories, right? So that's how the rackets work. So they're, exploita- they're exploited through their exploitation. Twice. yeah. absolutely. So what you've got is you've got these parasites mm. who once they've got a parasitical boss who steals from them, when they go for justice, you've got these, um, these parasites who then tell them, I'll get you this, I'll get you that, and then it's nonsense. Then they go in and they go and do a sweetheart deal with the boss because they ain't going to get paid, you see. Then they go back to the worker and then say, oh, look, I couldn't get you the deal, you know. And then they make up excuses and say they blame the worker. They said, oh, you didn't tell me this, you didn't tell me that. Oh, you know, they find some, something to say. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no records of that. There's no, oh, the evidence wouldn't stand up in court. So that's how they do it. And so this guy um, thinks these workers 
were so upset. And so one of the strong kids right from the start, when I say kids are in their 20s, it's just young men, he approached us through somebody, a recommendation, and he, credit to him, tough, you know, just tough and he wanted justice. Mm. So we went and um, uh, met, met with him and I agreed to take the case on. And in the end, we got about, I think we got a, collectively only about $200,000 in all. And these workers got, you know, between, I think, about twenty and 80000 or something each, uh, 60000 So, you know, it, it, you know, it was a worse project to do. But what it, what it taught me then is that when workers who are, vul- who are vulnerable um, need help, if they can't afford lawyer, which they can't, then there's nothing. And, and that's one of the reasons why we formed. That as, is one of the key reasons yeah. that we formed. And I think um, we settled this case, which I'm pleased to say. But unfortunately, well, fortunately, it's, com- well, it's confidential as part of how the system works, unfortunately. And so we can't name uh, the employer now. But I've not come across him again because okay. if I've ever heard he does it again, I'll have him. Um, well, it's ridiculous that justice should cost that much money. Oh, it's just... See, these kids, which I forgot to mention, it's going back a little while now, they had gone to the Labor Department. Oh. Inspe- yeah, they'd gone. Oh. And they had okay. been waiting around for almost a year. Nothing had happened. Well, no, no, sorry. It came a year in the end. It was less than that. When I phoned up the Labor Inspector, I said, look, I don't want to cross, cross your work, so what's the story in case... Well, they gave me, they gave me the long story how it's going along to take. And they said, actually, it'd be better that you did it. And that kind of revealed to me as well. Yeah. Our system and also capacity. Well, it's also true that we're better. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, and so I've come to a view now is that we're quicker and faster. See, what people misunderstand about the late, the late Aaron speakers, they aren't there to represent the worker, right? They are there representing the law. law. So their thing is not to get the worker their money back, although they will if it's a minimum wage, but anything more than that they don't do, and they don't do unfair dismissals, they don't do anything like that. What they do is they find the employer for breaches of the law. So, you know, um, so you know, we try and work with them, but if workers want to get justice, they, they'll get the law in the state. They won't get, um, you know your own compensation because that's not the state's job. Right, and we're all about justice at U2. Yeah, that's what drive, drive, yeah. absolutely, as you're saying, yeah. We're Utu for a reason. Mm. Utu, uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's a rough interpretation in Māori for um, for justice. And so our mission is justice for workers, and that's why we're called the Utu, Utu for Workers Union. Mm. So if any listeners have been mistreated in this way at work themselves or need our help, we really encourage you to get in contact with us. Uh, you can... Free phone us 0800 368 and go to our website utu.org.nz. And if, if we think we can help you, which we pretty well can, we will. We will. So we had another case that we wanted to tell you about. Matt wanted to tell us his war story. You wanted me to tell well, you yes, about it. Yes, I did actually. Because it's up really upset too. You, this one. You are, yeah. are. So it's about a couple of waitresses, uh, schoolgirl waitresses, uh, in a new market restaurant. That's right. Yeah. 16 years old and 17 years old mm. at the time. So this is a story, Izzy, that you know well too. This is mm. about two young women who were high school, at high school, 16 years old and 17-year-old. I was, um, worked in a cafe, uh, earned some pocket money, and um, they were just very bright and you know, vivacious and, um, you know, and uh, got a bit of spark in them. I always liked them. I kind of had a bit of buzz about them. But anyway, the parents are teaching them to stand up for themselves, which was a, a mm. extraordinary. Now, initially it started off as they were being required to come into the, the restaurant 
and they would have to stay in the staff room until they was, it got busy. But they were still required to be in the cafe. Which so, does seem to happen with hospitality. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people are saying this is happening. So people are required to turn up to work and then they sit in the cafe or somewhere, you know, or, or outside or in the staff room, and then the, but they're not getting paid while they're sitting around. Then when they get called out, they start, so they clock. They start getting paid is when they go out to serve and then they come back. They don't get paid and then sometimes they go back and forth all night. Extraordinary. I, I, it's all new to me. So, uh, so that was a pretty e- e- easy case, right? And for those who are listening, if you're required to be at work, you get paid from the time you're there to the time you leave if you're required to be there. So they can't say, you sit out the back and we'll call you if we need you, then you're top getting paid. It doesn't work like that. The only time you don't get paid for being on the premises if you have a, a 30 minute or 60 minute meal break at the end of four hours or more shift. That's when they can require you to take a break and not get paid. That, that's the only time. The rest of the time, you get paid. So that's what I thought it was. Pretty simple. You know, it's probably a couple of grand each. You know, okay, we'll sort it out. They weren't allowed to do it. It's against the law. Just fix it. Wet, but they just kept fighting it. it. Drove me crazy. You know, it was a simple job. So they had to go all the way to mediation. And and then just talking through, and then it just suddenly the pin dropped. You know that the the bosses were playing hardball. These two young women kept saying they were bullied out of the job because they played favourites. Then in the thing is they said, you know, how did they play favourites? And then one of the young uh, women says, I had a relationship with the manager. Pin drops. How old's that manager? 26. How old are you? 16. He does your roster. So he decides. And then the other young one says, he does this all the time. And he goes, I know four of the waitresses of which he takes out for a drink, right, at 16 for alcohol drink, has a relationship with them. They might think they're having a relationship. but they are That's a predator. Then he then rosters them out and bullies them once he's dropped them. Then he then gets someone else, and then they lose their shifts. So I said, has this been raised with the owner of this business? And they go, yeah. And I asked the owner, I said, what's this about at the mediation? And she goes, oh, that's none of my my business relationship between staff (laughs) is their own business, right? And a 26-year-old and a 16-year-old girl, yeah. And the 16-year-old goes, I take full responsibility for the rest. Right, of course. You know, and you just sit there... I thought, why am I even having to explain this? Mm. You know, so the lawyer on the other side was a young woman. The person who owned it was a a youngish woman, you know, like in the thirties. And she on her websites, all the liberal causes, saving whales, sign this petition. I'm a good person. Anything? What? What? And they still wouldn't get it. Mm. Um, but in the end. The young woman didn't want to because they're you know, 16, 17, they want to make a fuss. But and not anyway. understanding the, the, the dynamic where the power lies with the 26-year-old. It is not the 16-year-old woman's fault. At 26. And she'll think it is because that's what we're taught as society is to think that way. A 16-year-old. And not understand how the power balance works. Yes. Which so he, should the woman, the 30-year-old, the it's, owner it, should have known this. What you are so upset about as I was there but but you know you 
are very clear on what that is. You know, I get it as I get it in, in, in intellectually, but I just sat there stunned that I would have to explain it. To I struggle to explain it just now because it just seems like common sense. It's just so... You cannot explain it. It's just... It's just anyone who listens to this and actually think this, this is okay, yeah. you should turn the radio off now <laughs> because mm. I will never be able to get through Who Do You, right? Mm. These were high school students relying on jobs and rosters from a guy who was preying on them to sleep with them and then when he, he had got tired of them, he would then move on to someone else. And, and he so would on stop and so rostering them on. And he stopped ships. rostering them on and yeah. then mistreating them and bullying them until they left. And yet the owners of this place, you know, goes around in the, in the, in, in the lovey crowds about, oh, I'm a wonderful person, not my problem. Well, I made it their problem. I said to them, well, okay. But the, but the young woman did, they didn't want to continue. Exactly. Actually, the original case was just for the unpaid wages. Whilst it was paid. a small amount of money. This was but, developed. But anyway, let's put it this way. I tripled the price. I said, well, it's going to cost you. So, so at least we got them um, some money. And they were over the moon. But the good thing is they learned a lesson about you stand up for yourself and you can win. You know, yes. and so their parents had sent them to fight for themselves, and um, they were terrified as their parent or the one who had the relationship with the manager was terrified her parents would find out, and this is why they get they get bullied into silence. So I would have liked to have done more. You know, I would have liked to have gone after this company big time. But ultimately, as I always say, it's not about me, and it's not about you know. Us, it's about those workers themselves. And, and you want um, workers to feel empowered to be able absolutely. to reach so, out. Ab- absolutely. And it's not just like we go out and have a great old time and abuse and expose them, but our mission is to seek justice for workers. You know, And so these workers were happy. I hope they've moved on in a good way in their life because I think that's really important and that's why you know, it's important to tell these stories and how we resolve them. So they started off with a small amount of money, a couple of thousand, and I think we got close to 10 in the end. But, you know, it wasn't so much about the money. It's about that they felt that justice had been done. So, you know, so if people know any young people who have been exploited or sexually harassed or even just harassed or not paid or mistreated, you know, you can give us a call and we can help, we will. And that's our mission. So... Yeah, thanks for getting uh, for wanting the story to be raised today. Yeah, of as I think it's really important. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us, Matt. It's definitely upset me, as these cases always do, but it's uh, also the inspiration to continue the fight. Uh, so next week we will be doing a section on employment rights. So do be sure to tune in again. You know, these uh, cases often involve workers coming to us with their exploitation, um, but then as the case progresses realising that the extent of their exploitation actually goes further than, for instance, just not being paid. Um, So you can see from this case where the restaurant workers were made to sit in the back to only get paid for the time they were on the restaurant floor. Also, we often come across workers who aren't even provided an individual employment agreement or contract. They're not provided rest and meal breaks, not receiving holiday pay. These are all breaches, and we'll explore more of that next week. It also makes me realise that while we are fighting to end exploitation in New Zealand, we're not necessarily fighting for new workers' rights yet. Um, We're fighting for rights that workers are already legally entitled to have. We already have them. It's a battle we're supposed to have already won, and yet the reality is much different. 
which leads me into my first song of struggle for this week songs of struggle is a segment where i delve into the musical canon of the progressive movement uh, explore the history a little and hopefully learn some new things with our listeners and play some decent music while we're at it so that leads me into one of two songs i have for our listeners this week first up is a beautiful and soulful sound for your wednesday afternoon it's sam cook's a change is gonna come uh, so by way of introduction to the song, um, like a lot of the great songs I've come across and have played on the show before, it was born out of the civil rights movement in America. And what makes it still so powerful today is that the story is sadly ongoing. Uh, what's fascinating about this song is it was actually released posthumously following Cook's death in 1964. And to this day, his death remains a mysterious circumstance where he was shot down and killed in a Los Angeles motel when he was only 33 years old, which is a tragically young death for such an amazing talent. Um, But the song itself was adopted as an anthem for the civil rights movement when it came out, and it's generally considered a protest song within the canon of all social justice movements. And it really is a beautiful song. Cook himself was actually inspired by Bob Dylan's uh, famous Blown in the Wind protest song, so already it's a part of that canon, that rich history of social change. Here it is, Sam Cook's A Change Is Gonna Come.
one straight to my heart. That was Sam Cooke's civil rights movement song, A Change Is Gonna Come. So we have a guest on the show today, Anu Kolotti, who's here to discuss what migrant exploitation looks like. Uh, kia ora, Anu. Thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, for our listeners, Anu Kolotti is president of the Migrant Workers Association and an advocate at the One Union Trust. Uh, she's also a regular guest on our show. Uh, so today... We're going to discuss what exploitation looks like and what it is. But first, Anu, you have an update for us on one of the cases we talked about in the show last week. Thanks, Izzy. Um, and it's good to be back on the show again. So um, last week we discussed uh, a case that was um, Vikram, who worked as a, a business operations manager, basically providing security guards for his employer, uh, and, and taking those security guards from A to B and then bringing them back home again. And he worked for the company for a very short time, about three months, because things were so bad that yes. he, he had to leave quite quickly. And his exploitation came in the form of not being paid at all for the first month yeah. he worked there. And when he did leave, he was not paid out his holiday pay. He is still owed lots of unpaid hours. And worst of all, he used his own vehicle to transport yes. employees of yes. his employer from one place to another, and and he incurred about five thousand odd dollars for for just in in travel costs. Alone, so he yeah. yeah. So he still owed that. So so we're looking at around sixteen thousand dollars all up. So. We have been able to engage with the employer. And Which is impressive because he was hiding for us for a while, wasn't he? He was for quite some time. And um, he's also got a, a bit, bit of a track record of being at the casino and, and, and using our worker as the sober driver to transport mm. him back and forth. And, and out of that, he, he also accused our worker of just stealing his money using his card and it's, it's, it's very bizarre so the, the most recent that we've had in the last few days since the last show is that the um, other party would like to resolve the matter through mediation this has come out of just as we are about to make our submission of documents in preparation for employment relation authority hearing so ah. we, we were just responding to Employment Relation Authority's instructions and all of a sudden we, we get a communication from the employer's advocate that um, they are ready to settle the matter through mediation. So we, we've already had a mediation right. almost a year ago. Uh, it was through one of the, the lockdowns, so it was and all so, remote teleconference. Yeah. So so we are kind of quite puzzled now. Mm. And they're allowed to flip like that, those bosses? Sadly, sadly, oh. and it, this makes me really angry that the um, the Employment Relations Authority has given in to this another delay tactic, we think, by the employer. So we will be mediating again soon and, uh, and, and worst of all, it is the other party has requested to do a teleconference mediation, which uh, they, they are the worst because it's, it's just nothing, it's just not the same as being in the same room. No, of course. So they've, and, and we're not in a lockdown at the moment, so it's, it's quite mm. bizarre. So we, we, the system is not on the side of the exploited workers here. That, that's the, the part that really makes me angry yeah. you know a year on we are just being made to go through the same thing again and this this kind of stuff allows time for the employers for the exploiting employers to just wrap up wind up and liquidate their businesses and wash their hands off all responsibility and walk off 
Thanks for that, Anu. It leads us into our next segment pretty well, our interview. So what can an exploited worker in that situation do? So exploited migrant workers have um, some options available to them. All of the options available to migrant workers are legal. It's just that some options take a lot longer than others. Because cases can drag out for years, can't they? Absolutely. We've seen cases reported in media that have been going on for two, three years quite easily. And in the meantime, the worker does not have a visa or has mm. a visa that does not allow them work rights. Yes. So how are people supposed and to live? money owing to them and yeah, exactly how they're supposed to live their day-to-day lives. Exactly, exactly. The stress and it just carries on. Yeah. So workers who are exploited can ring the 0800 number provided by MBIE and more often than not, they are turned away from there because they are told that your matter is not severe enough or you are the only employee in this business who's being exploited, so it's not a systemic so issue. There isn't capacity for them in these. Right? So that's why, that's why we exist, that's why we formed the Utu for Workers and also Migrant Workers Association. That's Somewhere. right. Yep. That's right. Um, so, yeah, even we, we have more and more workers coming to us after they have gone to the labour inspectors and not been satisfied with the response or completely turned away and then they um, either end up with really expensive employment advocates who again rip them off so mm. this is so like exploiting the exploited uh, or they do eventually find us um, mm. through Migrant Workers Association or directly Utu or, or yeah. through unions. Right, so we take a step back for a moment Anu and can we explain to our listeners what exploitation looks like? So what, what, would, what in your experience... That's a very good question, Izzy, because a lot of Kiwis out there may not know mm. people are being exploited or even what exploitation looks like. So it comes from anything from being made to work extra hours and not being paid for those hours or being paid properly and then employers getting cash back out of mm. the, the wages that the work has been paid. Uh, so what happens is the worker ends up getting paid well below the legal minimum wage. The other classic we see is um, workers not getting rest breaks, meal breaks, workers being um, made to work while they are sick, despite Mm. the fact that they have sick notes from their doctors, workers not getting uh, their holiday pay when they leave, workers being threatened that if they don't work the extra hours or if they don't do tasks that are outside of their job description that they will be reported to Immigration New Zealand, their visas will be cancelled, then they'll be deported. Workers being abused verbally, physically as well. We've had female workers who've been sexually abused, some who've been almost raped but escaped. We've also had, we've not directly had workers who have actually been raped by their employers, but there have been cases right. out there. Um, anything goes really sadly with these exploiting employers. They will also take to um, threatening family members back in the home country. They will use goons uh, to, mm. to go around to the employees. Yes, it's happened in some of the cases we've covered on um, our show. Isn't it? Yes, yeah, you know, the, the exploiting employees will send thugs around to the, the workers' home and, and threaten them and threaten their families. They've uh, done all sorts. The, the list is quite Very long. It, it yeah. is, is quite long. And then um, advocates, representatives who... That's particularly disheartening and painful to hear about. Yeah, and I mean, we also get 
threats from time to time for representing uh, exploited workers. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a broad question then, Anu, but why does this happen, do you think, to such an extent, especially to migrant workers as well? So most of the migrant workers here in New Zealand would be on work visa of some sort. Largely the work visas are tied to the employer. So Uh, wherever we have skill shortages, certain uh, types of workers are required with certain amount of experience and skills. So that's how the migrant workers get their jobs because it's also a, leads to a pathway to residence. So, right. you know, they're, they're looking sort mm-hmm. of further ahead. And so it's an extreme power imbalance too. There. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what happens is the employer provides support sponsorship to the worker and, and that support and sponsorship is, is basically just saying that we need this worker because we can't find a Kiwi worker. So that that is what immigration... Uh, needs to know in terms of fulfilling requirements. So when the worker is given that visa, that visa is tied to that employer. So the worker cannot work for anyone else without changing their visa again. And so visas then, sorry, and so workers then also would feel trapped. So how are they supposed to report this exploitation somewhere if the threat is always, well, I'll just get you deported? Exactly, exactly. So it's the, the visas are tied to the extent, say for example, if an employer has three different businesses or, or just one business at three different locations, the visa will specify exactly which location this worker oh, wow. can work at. Mm-hmm. So it's that restrictive. So you're right. Uh, when you are tied to that extent, you can't just resign and walk out that is or terrifying. leave your job. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is very scary. Yeah. And, and that is where the employers get all the power and they use it against the workers. So... Just imagine, you know, you, you can't just say, like, I hate this job and I'm going to find another one and leave because finding another job means the entire visa process has, has to start, to start all yeah. over again yeah. and they will then be tied to this mm-hmm. other employer. So really, to, to stop the exploitation happening, the, this government needs to stop the practice of tying visas to employers. Yeah. This is incredibly disheartening, but at the same time, it's good to know that we are fighting back. Uh, our organisations do exist, Migrant Works Association, here at Utu for Workers. Um, you know, all workers can contact us, um, you know, whether they're migrant or, say, they're contractor, don't have your own union to join. You, know, you can free phone us, 0800 368 000. You can visit our website and fill out a case assessment form. That's at utu.org.nz forward slash help. Uh, or you can contact us via Facebook at Utu for Workers Union. Well, thank you for coming on to the show today, Anu. Really interesting points you've raised and you've given us much to think about for sure. Well, we're nearing the end of our show today. Big thank you to our listeners for tuning in on your Wednesday lunchtime to hear our workers' stories and particularly today some of Matt's and the union's more interesting success stories. Um, As I just mentioned, we encourage anyone to contact us, whether it be about the show, to give us feedback, uh, to let us know your own case of exploitation or someone you know. Uh, or even if you have witnessed anything to do with the cases we discuss. We are here to help, and our number one goal is always to protect the worker. So you can go to our website, utu.org.nz, if you want to find out more details about any of our stories. You'll also notice a big old button on the homepage of our site saying, Sign to End Exploitation Now. If you click on that, you will find our petition to, well, end exploitation, uh, where we list three law changes that might do just that. 
you know, I encourage you to check it out, have a read and maybe a sign if you're so inclined. As always, we're going to leave you today with a song. This one released in 2003, nearly 40 years after the Sam Cooke number earlier in the show. Um, and this is a song that my generation knows very well. It's called Where is the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. It was originally written in response to the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York with a questioning theme of why is there so much hate and brutality in the world? Uh, its lyrics also explore racism, pollution, war, gang crime, intolerance and violence towards LGBTQ plus people. It was re-released in 2016 with a high-profile artist contributing, though I'm going to play the original, um, as the Black Eyed Peas say that the song's exploration of the nature of hate is still as relevant as the day it was written, and that speaks to the heart of the whole Songs of Struggle segment on the show. Will I Am, lead singer, said in regards to re-releasing the song, I remember when the attack in Paris happened, people would say, we need Where Is The Love again. And then Belgium happened, and then Turkey, and then Orlando, and then Philando, and then Elton before him, and then Dallas. Everyone was calling on us, we need that song again. And our work at Utu for Workers' Union would attest to the need for the messages in this song. So until next week, here it is, the Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love?
feel the weight of the world on my shoulder. As I'm getting older, your people get older. Most of us only care about money making. Selfishness got us following the wrong direction. Wrong information always shown by the media. Negative images is the main criteria. Infecting the young minds faster than bacteria. Kids wanna act like what they see in the cinema. Yeah. Whatever happened to the values of humanity? Whatever happened to the fairness and equality? Instead of spreading love, we're spreading animosity. Lack of understanding leading us away from unity. That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling under. That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling down. It's no wonder why sometimes I'm feeling under. Gotta keep my faith alive. Love is found. Ask yourself. Where is the love? 